It, it's the World Wide Sports Radio Network. CJ, the painkiller. Kevin, Kevin Jackson. Kevin Jackson. So we need to start acting like a big boy football. It's time for the jet tacks to die. Whoa! You're listening to Weapons Hot on Sports War Radio and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Darnold fires one into the end zone. It is caught. That's a tip touchdown. And now here is your host, CJ, the painkiller. And Kevin Jackson. What is going on, Jets Nation? Welcome to another edition of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network and Sports War Radio as well tonight. We say hello to all our brand new viewers on the Snowman Digital Media Network. So I am your host, CJ the Painkiller D. Simone, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce my partner in crime, my co-pilot, and one of my very best friends. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Mr. Kevin Jackson! <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. If you have never had a Weapons Hot introduction, it's never been properly done. Thank you once again, CJ. Uh, weapons Hot, man. I'm, I'm really excited about our guest once again. We're getting ready to move into some actual uh, football here within the next couple of weeks, really a, a lot of exciting topics to discuss, uh, maybe some uh, some unfortunate things that we have to discuss also, but uh, really excited, man. The first first game, um, probably one of the biggest challenges we'll face all season. Um, glad that we have Ryan with us tonight. Really excited to get started. Um, I don't know where we're going to start, CJ, man. Let's go. Uh, let's, let's, let's set it off. I'm ready. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. We've got the New York Jets training camp turning into an absolute mash unit, which we're going to cover. Tonight, we cover part one of Weapons Hot's Know Thy Enemy series. And to kick it off, ladies and gentlemen, representing the Buffalo Bills on the StatementGames.com hotline, we have Mr. Ryan Thomas, host of the Thomas Take podcast. Ryan, it's a pleasure to have you on. Also a privilege on our behalf to have you on. How are you this evening? Yes. I'm great, CJ. How are you? It's always a pleasure uh, chatting with you. Now I get to see your your beautiful, handsome face as well as Kevin. It's the pleasure of Zoom. How about it? You guys get to see my handsome face too, though. So we're even. (laughs) Hey, listen, we're happy about that. Trust me. Uh, All right. Because, I mean, so many times that we've done this show with the audio and, and, you know, now getting the opportunity to actually really get to see everybody uh, courtesy of the, uh, the Zoom platform. And also with the wonderful platform that the Worldwide Sports Radio Network has provided us with, you know, is really getting a, getting an opportunity for us to to really make um, the shows not only worthwhile, but also give our listeners a robust experience. So you actually see, you know, the face behind the voice. So which, right. is, which is a very cool thing. So, all right. First things first, this is obviously probably the first time that some of our listeners are getting to hear you for the very first time. Just give us a, a, a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Well, as you introduce me, my name is Ryan Thomas. I'm the host of the Thomas Take Sports Podcast. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as Google Podcasts. And uh, I've been hosting my podcast for about four years now. Um, Each week, I try to get a guest on, or if I can't get a guest on that week, I try to throw out what I like to call hot takes from yours truly in regards to all things football, mixed martial arts, boxing, baseball, 
and of course, uh, hockey. My city that I'm from, born and raised in Buffalo, New York, we're, we're very big football fans, and we're obviously very big hockey fans, being that those are the two major franchises in this city, and I like to cover those two franchises closely. Yeah, that's, uh, that is just awesome. I mean, let me tell you, you've been a guest on our show uh, in the past. You've also uh, helped us contribute with the AFCE Summit, as well as also um, help us contribute with the Know Thy Enemy series in the past um, when this show was the Jets Factor and also CNC Football Factory. So, you know, obviously we've got quite a few questions to ask you at this time. We're very curious as to what our neighbors of the North are, are going to be uh, showing everybody here for the for the 2020 season. So let's jump into the deep end of the pool, so to speak, shall we? So uh, first question right off the bat, what do you think the Buffalo Bills learned last year about their football team? Oh, boy, first thing that comes to mind uh, with that question, the bitter end of the 2019 season for the Buffalo Bills, um, having a 16-point lead against the Houston Texans, only to squander that game and lose, you know, by a few, I think it was 19 to 22, if my memory serves me right. To be quite honest, CJ, the, the final score does not come to my mind because I had left the place that I watched the game. I couldn't watch it anymore. It was just such a devastating loss in Houston. And the, the way you fix that, the way you somewhat right that wrong and um, provide the rest of the AFC with payback is to win this AFC East and control your fate in the playoffs by having a home field advantage as well in the playoffs. I think if Buffalo was hosting that playoff game in Orchard Park, New York, with the stadium behind me, with the, unfortunately, one of the fans in the seats like this, probably in 2020, but I think at home, if that game was at home, we would have had a much better shot to win that game. I think the Houston faithful kind of took the wind out of our sails when a few things just didn't go our way. You know, a few turnovers, things that the game just slowly but surely creeped away from us. And I think the biggest learning lesson is let's actually win this division for the first time since 1995 and um, also try to attain home field advantage in the playoffs. Kevin, any questions? But that's actually a great point. And uh, obviously, um, Brian knows a lot more about the team than, than, uh, than I do, but I'll just be very honest. I, I think that uh, Buffalo has a really solid foundation. I think they've done some things this uh, this past um, offseason that are going to make it a, a lot tougher um, for their opponents coming up. Um, hopefully, we've done some things to counteract. But um, I, again, I, I said this originally in the beginning, um, and I know there may be some questions that are probably going to be something uh, maybe it might be uh, based on our schedule, um, I do really think Buffalo is probably going to be one of the, the, the tougher teams that we face uh, all season. I think they've got um, some really positive things for the side of the ball. And, uh, if the defense plays anything like they did last season, um, there's going to be a lot of behinds that are going to be sore. It's going to be really, it's going to be tough. Um, so. You know, I'm excited about the matchup against them. I'll be honest, it is going to be a consulting anybody that thinks anything different will be in for a rude awakening. Um, we'll see how it shakes out. I, I really like the matchup. Um, I think that if we can play well versus uh, versus the Bills, I think that bodes well for us as, as an organization. Are we still yeah, there? absolutely. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. 
Um, Ryan, again, I got a couple more que- questions. I'm I'm very eager to pepper you with here tonight. Oh, pe- pe- pepper me with questions, CJ. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you what do you think, in your opinion, was the mission for the Buffalo Bills in the offseason this year? The mission was to continue. Um, what they've started, not finish what they've started, but to continue what they've started and continuing what they started last off season was building around Josh Allen. And I think what gets lost on a lot of folks in the national football league, you can talk about this with any team is the quarterback great or is the quarterback not great. How about did the team put the weapons around the quarterback to make the quarterback good and, and hopefully great. Buffalo has done that these last two off seasons, John Brown, Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox. Um, they've reshaped that offensive line, which was pretty decent last year, especially in comparison to Allen's rookie season. And then you look at this off season, they had Stefan Diggs. That's the big one. That's the big move, the power move, as well as Zach Moss, who was looked at as one of the best power running backs in this 2020 NFL draft. So continuing what they have started, and building around Josh Allen, that was the big goal for the Buffalo Bills here in this offseason. Kevin, anything to add? You know what, again, um, it's going to be repetitive for me. I, I kind of like what it is that they did. Um, you know, I think Diggs is probably uh, something that some folks might understate a little bit, but I think Josh Allen, that type of a weapon, um, really does change quite a few dynamics. I mean, considering what they looked like last season running the ball and, uh, you know, some of the questions they had around the passing game, I think adding a guy like that to the mix is really important for um, I expect it uh, to be something that uh, most teams are really going to have uh, maybe some split up. Again, it, uh, really, coaching really comes a lot into play when, when you when – you, add players in like that into the mix because how do they uh, utilize them? How do they put them in and, and, and put them in positions to be most successful? Um, great situation for the team, great situation for the player. Um, hopefully it doesn't work out too uh, too well against us that we've won, but uh, I kind of got a feeling we're going to be watching out for that one because, uh, you know, with some of the questions that we have on the outside on our defensive backfield, um, most definitely something to, to, to be mindful of, but uh, hopefully not something that we're, we're, we're ended up uh, being too painfully hurt by. Great, yeah, great pick up, yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, this week one matchup against the Buffalo Bills is going to say a lot about the New York Jets and their offseason preparations, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. So, Ryan, yet another question. Where do you think the Buffalo Bills have improved this offseason? I would definitely say on the offensive side of the ball, and one of my biggest criticisms of 2019 for this Buffalo Bills team, you know, last season was that their offense just seemed so um, stale, very conservative, um, very, very safe, too safe at times. Even in games that they won, they didn't necessarily uh, put their foot on the throat of their opponent like they could have. They would play so conservative and, and just really heading into this offseason – I had hoped that they would add in the areas that they needed to open up the offense. I think Stefan Diggs really opens up the offense, not just by having Diggs on the roster, but if Diggs is drawing double teams from the opposing defense, I think that's going to leave somebody open, whether it's John Brown, Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox, or one of these rookie wide receivers in particular, Gabe Davis, who thus far 
out of UCF um, has had a fantastic quote unquote training camp uh, under these circumstances. So I think offensively, I'm hoping that Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, opens some things up a little bit. Let's let's really see Josh Allen let it rip uh, more so than he had than he did the you know last year. Even I want to see this offense just be opened up. And I think that's what we could potentially see with these new additions on their team. Yeah, well said. Uh, one of the biggest things, though, Ryan, that I would uh, just for a sidebar, go mm-hmm. and take a look at what the Buffalo Bills did last year. And this was something that I screamed about the, that I wanted the New York Jets to do last year for Sam Donald. Okay, you guys invested very heavily in the offensive line. Right. And in investing very heavily in the offensive line, Josh Allen went from being a mediocre quarterback to actually a good quarterback. Right. Now, please explain to our audience the importance of having a very good offensive line (laughs) to protect your franchise quarterback. Because according to some people who have made guest appearances on this very podcast, and according to some people who have peppered us with various comments about our offensive line being average last year. Can you please explain to the public again the, the importance of a competent offensive line? Well, I, I could speak specifically to that, not just by the moves that the Buffalo Bills made to, to make their offensive line average or better than average, I can go back a season um, prior to the Buffalo Bills adding Mitch Morris. They had Eric Wood, who ended up with a neck stinger late in the season and ended up having to um, ultimately retire. And that left a gaping hole, especially in the middle at center, the most important position on the offensive line outside of left tackle. You can debate that all day. But for a new quarterback, a, a center is extremely important. They brought in Mitch Morse. They brought in John Feliciano. They brought in a veteran in Tynan Saki that um, was a swing tackle. It could play right or left. Um, Deion Dawkins was a second round pick um, a couple years back that they just extended for his performance and, and the development that he has shown um, these last few seasons. Um, and Brandon Bean really attacked that whole unit and kind of washed the old unit away and said, we're going to just start over and start fresh from Allen's rookie season to his sophomore season. And as you said, CJ, he, he was mediocre his rookie year, but he's really running for his life his rookie year. And you had a lot of players on that offense that were kind of quitting on the team, guys like Kelvin Benjamin, the matchup um, or the, the chemistry rather between Allen and Charles Clay just never really was there. And mm-hmm. they bring in these new offensive linemen and it completely changed whether Allen had chemistry or not with his wide receivers or tight ends. It didn't matter because he had more time to decide who he was going to throw the ball to. So for Sam Darnold, who is not as athletic as Allen, I would say he's far more of a a pocket passer in terms of accuracy, though, in comparison to Allen. It's a the emphasis on the Jets putting a line around Darnold, I would say, is just as much for Donald as it is with any quarterback because Donald is such a pure pocket passer. He does have some mobility, but I would say Allen kind of is, is a little bit ahead of him in terms of that um, escapability. So Jets fans, you know, if you want Sam Donald to get better, the easiest way to see that is by building around Donald 
namely with, with the offensive line. Wow. Common sense takes on, on weapons. Are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> great points. Uh, a little bit, uh, I guess, maybe uh, to that last point. Um, 23rd ranked offense last season. Um, you know, what, 20, uh, 24th, or what, 24th or 26th, I think, in passing. Um, but the rushing, it, and that, you know, to, to the point about the athleticism in the, in the, from the quarterback in particular, um, what, eighth, eighth in rushing last season. You guys really actually did a, a fantastic job there. I think that the, the additions to the offensive line, as well as some of the, uh, the skill position uh, additions that we've seen, are, are maybe, you know, might, might even out those a little bit. Maybe you'll see a little bit less rushing and a little bit more of an equal, equaling uh, of the, the, the passing uh, statistics. But uh, really phenomenal opportunity just to really see how smart teams put together a functionally consistent football team. And, and we should be able to see that coming in season. I think you guys are really in a, in, in a good position. And, uh, you know, recognizing the defense in particular, when I was talking about earlier, uh, with a second in, in, second in uh, ranked defense last season. So um, if we can see some of those 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 spot, you know, additions really start to defeat events, I mean, I, the, the sky's the limit for you guys. It's going to be a, a Herculean task for us to come in and, and be on you guys' level uh, on, in all aspects and all regards of the game. should be an interesting watch, that's for sure. All right, yeah, so I Ron, agree. The, uh, the next question that I have for you is, where do you think that the Buffalo Bills still have to improve for, for this, for this offseason for you to be comfortable where they're at in 2020? Well, it's crazy to say this, especially coming off of what Keith just said in regards to, or Kevin, pardon me, Kevin, um, in regards to what Kevin just said on their defense, defensively, since Sean McDermott was hired, you got to remember, you know, there's a guy by the name of Rex Ryan that was the head coach of the Buffalo Bills as well. He left Sean McDermott with a defense that was in complete and total disarray. Sean McDermott had to inherit that defense, modify that defense, then get those players that he brings in to learn his defense. And year after year after year, since Sean McDermott took over for the Buffalo Bills defensively, the Bills have been fundamentally sound across the board. But you do have some players from last year's team that are gone on the defensive side of the ball, namely a, a good buddy of mine, Lorenzo Alexander, Bills linebacker, former Bills linebacker, retired at the end of last season. Out goes Lorenzo Alexander. In comes A.J. Klein, um, who had some playing time with the New Orleans Saints, as well as the Carolina Panthers within McDermott's defense. As well, Shaq Lawson goes to AFC East rival Miami Dolphins, and um, they bring in A.J. Epinesa in the second round. So with players coming in and out, and you know new players coming in especially, you need those new players coming in especially – to, to really not just take part, but take over. You need those guys to, to really blossom. And for this defense to be better than it was in 2019, it is a tall task because in 2019, their defense was just so dominant and really bailed them out a lot uh, week in, week out. They have to do that again and then some uh, with these new players. And anytime you bring in new players to a, to a new position, you know, onto the team, there's always that learning curve. So how long will that learning curve last? We'll find out. Kevin, anything to add? Because I know that you are our fundamental football guru over here. 
So I'm sure that you probably have a, a couple questions that you'd like to pepper uh, Ryan with. So by all means, fire away. You know, I guess uh, to the point about the defense in particular and, uh, you know, Tredavious White, um, most definitely uh, on the on the list of, of one of the top players at his position in, in, the, in the league, uh, interceptions last season. Um, do you think that uh, some of the some of the losses that you kind of already made some of the pressure on some of guys to to maybe uh, I mean I don't want to put too much uh, say that they have too much responsibility in, but obviously as, as one of the one of all works of that defense last season and one and maybe one of the reasons they wanted. Um, how, how big do you think it is going to be for those guys in particular to step up and, and, and kind of help to move that transition? And do, do you think you guys have enough there to be able to say that the next man is going to be enough and you guys will be able to maintain at least Really, that's the only question on the defense is we know how great Trey White is. You know, I think Trey White is only going to get better. Um, and to say that is pretty wild, given the first couple seasons he's had in the league. But beyond Trey White, you know, they brought in Josh Norman, who is another former Carolina Panther guy that's only been coached by Ron or was about to be coached again by Ron Rivera in, in Washington. Um, but Ron Rivera said, thanks, but no thanks. We're going to go in another direction. Sean McDermott scoops him up. But now Josh Norman has this nagging hamstring injury. He's out indefinitely. There's a player by the name of Levi Wallace on this Buffalo Bills team that has had a lot of starts over the last couple seasons that really needs to step up on this defense because Josh Norman won't be there. You know, the, the guy that they thought would be their nickel corner is going to be their number two corner. And there's a difference there for sure in terms of the physicality of both of those positions. Mainly though, um, when talking about Trey White, I have to mention Trey White, Micah Hyde, and Jordan Poyer. Those three players could be the three most underrated secondary members in the National Football League. And those two additions in Hyde and Poyer were free agents, Green Bay for Hyde and, you know, coming from Green Bay and, and Jordan Poyer coming from Cleveland. And I knew of Micah Hyde. I didn't know too much about Jordan Poyer. But boy, with, for those two additions by Sean McDermott to, to bring those two guys in and then add Trey White, that has been a formidable trio on this Buffalo Bills defense. And another guy I want to mention is Tremaine Edmonds, who is entering his third season in the National Football League. And he's 22 years old. He entered the league at 19. He was drafted at 19 years old out of Virginia Tech. And he started every week for Buffalo at middle linebacker, and he's only getting better. So those four players on this defense, I think, have a, a huge role uh, as far as making this defense elite. I have to agree. Uh, what is it? That nine intersections and five sacks in between the the, the, the defensive back. Yep. Yeah. Great yeah. Point. Um, do you, do you think uh, just do you think enough on on defense? Uh, what was that one? I didn't hear that one. Yeah, with, with, with some of what it is that they did and with the guys stepping up. 
Yeah. Do you got? Do you think they did enough to kind of maintain that level, or do you see maybe maybe it being a slight drop off in, in, in what they do? I think they did um, maintain the defense for sure, due to the fact that you have a lot of depth on this front seven now. That's another facet of this offseason that was very successful for Buffalo. They added Vernon Butler, um, Quentin Jefferson, um, the, the defensive line. Harrison Phillips was out all of last season. I was actually at uh, St. John Fisher training camp when he was hurt, um, and he was nicked up in training camp, and I believe he ended up just being put on IR in the preseason last year. My memory serves me right. And now that he's back, he's looked at as a, as a true run-stuffing defensive tackle. I'm very much looking forward to seeing, in, in some ways, I think this defense could be better with the return of a Harrison Phillips with the more – um, brute strength that AJ Epinesa has at defensive tackle in comparison to Shaq Lawson, who is more of a flashier speed rusher. Um, I've watched AJ Epinesa the last few seasons at Iowa, and I've watched him at the uh, Bills training camp, and he's looked pretty good so far, especially on starters, which is which is always uh, intriguing. So um, I think this defense will be a top five defense in the National Football League, and Will, will definitely be one of the best defenses in the AFC. All right. So um, I want to dive into the 2020 draft class for the Buffalo Bills. Give us your thoughts on their draft picks and how soon, in your opinion, do you think that they can contribute? Right away in terms of A.J. Epinesa, Zach Moss, um, I could see, you know, for all the fantasy football people out there, you know, fantasy football, we, we got a lot of fantasy football fanatics in oh, Buffalo, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm sure you guys do too. For all the fantasy football fanatics out there, I think Zach Moss can end up being uh, a touchdown vulture for fantasy football. Devin Singletary was fantastic last year. Another one of my big criticisms of Brian Dable last year was I felt like there were weeks where Devin Singletary could have really – really taking over some games if he got the ball a little bit more and Dable was a little bit conservative with with Devin Singletary due to a hamstring injury but when he came back he was ready to go I actually uh, oddly enough bumped into him and I asked him hey are, are we playing this week and he said I'm ready to, I've been ready to go so I want to see more of Devin Singletary who was a rookie last year but I think Singletary will greatly help Moss Zach Moss the third round draft choice and then this wide receiver that I mentioned out of UCF, Gabe Davis, was looked at as a touchdown machine in college and um, is a guy that does have that vertical ability to go up and get the ball. That's another facet of this offense that needed a lot of work. There, there are some small, flashy receivers on this team like John Brown and Cole Beasley. You add in Stephon Diggs, who is one of the best contested ball-catching receivers in the league. And then you add in a rookie by the name of Gabe Davis, who has been making highlight real catch after highlight real catch in training camp. Granted it's training camp, but it's pretty exciting as far as the immediate impact players that Buffalo has been able to accumulate in these last couple of drafts. And I think they did so with mainly Epinesa Moss, as well as um, the, what was the last one that I just mentioned? I just, it just fell out of my head uh, as well as Gabe Davis. Right. Gabe Davis. Actually, I'm, I'm glad we were able to talk about this because I think that you guys really uh, pulled uh, quite a few rabbits out of the hat this season in the draft. I mean, you, you've already mentioned, uh, I think, the, the, the three big names. Um, I think Jake Fromm um, and watching him in college, that's how I live in Georgia. I think 
I think he, he's got some talent, and I think he might end up being a guy that you'll see, uh, you know, roaming the sidelines for you guys for a while. Um, I actually like uh, the Dane uh, Jackson pick, the seventh-round pick, the uh, corner out of Pittsburgh. Um, I, I think specifically when you're talking about Davis White and some of the other guys, I think you guys added another piece that um, has the talent, has the skill set to actually be able to kind of step in and, and, and you know, maybe do some things, maybe not immediately as, as, as a, you know, as a linchpin in the defense, but I think you got a guy who's actually going to be able to contribute quite a bit going forward. So um, I'm, you guys really did a, a great job in that. Um, I know that they, they gave draft grades and things of that nature. I'm not sure what exactly what the grade was, but me personally, when I looked at it, I thought the, the AFC brought some guys in this season, not just uh, in Buffalo, not just here in New York, but also uh, in Miami as well. I think Miami did some things that's going to, you know, there's going to be some other questions that we'll discuss uh, going forward. But um, really, Pups, uh, into, I guess what you're talking about, about the leadership, you guys are, you guys are in really good shape. I, I hate to say it because, you know, as a Jets fan, you know, we're, we're, you know, Tim might be an to hate the Bills, obviously. Um, but <laughs> realistically, as, as a football guy, you know, how can you be mad at good football? You know, re- really, how difficult is it right. to see that? And you guys have, you guys have uh, some solid pieces right now. I think it's going to be really tough. You know, to, to volley that back as a football guy, you know, you guys mentioned it earlier that there's a lot of Jets fans that are thinking that this Jets offensive line is average last season. You don't have an average <laughs> offensive line and then go out and get Makai Becton, who yeah. I right. think is is a franchise-changing left tackle. I, I would be more than willing to say the Jets – swung at a fastball right down the middle and cranked it out of city field, Yankee stadium, whatever you want to call it with that pick. Um, and I think Darnold has so much potential. I go back, you can go on my Twitter at Ryan Thomas take self plug here, but you can go back and look at the top five quarterbacks that I had in that 2018 draft class. Sam Darnold was number one and Josh Allen was number two. And the only reason why I had Darnold number one is he's more of a, developed pocket passer and I think that rings true today so Sam Darnold just needs more around him and once he gets more around him that Jets team will be better all right ladies and gentlemen you're listening to Weapons Hot a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network Sports War Radio and Snowman Digital Media Network CJ the painkiller D Simone here Mr. Kevin Jackson on the other side of the glass our special guest joining us tonight on the statementgames.com hotline, Mr. Ryan Take, host of the Thomas Take podcast. All right, so Ryan, as we continue on, I got one more question for you, then we're going to start to switch gears here. What are your expectations for the Buffalo Bills this year for this upcoming 2020 football season? Super Bowl or boss? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm just you know kidding. What? Every I, team in the NFL says that at trading camp. No, yeah, every team does. And trust me, <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> <laughs> right right every year i go back like i go back sometimes and i look at some of those old buffalo bills teams that were like peak playoff drought bills teams and i'm like man i was sitting there in high school you know ninth tenth grade thinking man this team's gonna make the playoffs and boy was i way off so but in all seriousness when i look at this team um we see a quote-unquote process happening here in buffalo sean mcdermott spoke about it when he was first brought in he talked about it. Nobody knew what it what it really meant, but we're starting to see it now. Um, we're starting to see them bring in guys that have immediately bought into Sean McDermott, that have fit Brian Dable's offense, or that have mostly fit Sean McDermott's defense. 
and they just need just that extra that extra little uh, pizzazz, that that extra little hot sauce on the buffalo wing to just make it a, a true juggernaut. And with the addition of Stephon Diggs, I think that was such a needed move. I know they traded a first-round pick and, and some mid-round selections, and there was a lot of chatter in Buffalo that they gave up just a little bit too much. But too much is is never enough when I go back and look at that playoff game against the Houston Texans. If Josh Allen had a wide receiver one without labeling, you know, and, and you know, downgrading John Brown and Cole Beasley, they did some great things last year for us. We truly needed that wide receiver one. Josh Allen needed it, and they got it. And um, I think this season, this offense is going to be much better. I think the defense will be top five in the league. And I have the expectation that the next step for this team, the rightful next step, the next goal is to simply win the AFC East. We haven't done it since 1995. That has to change. Uh, Those are all great points. I mean, not to get too far into the weeds, I wanted to touch on one thing because you talked about the offense. We talked about the defense. I wanted to ask about maybe something that is uh, maybe a little under-discussed, and that's your special teams. How do you see your special teams shaking out, and uh, how impactful do you think that they can be for uh, really the the, the end result uh, for this team next season? Well, Buffalo especially has always been one of those teams that have emphasized the the special teams unit. And um, Andre Roberts, former New York Jet, he was the return guy last year. He did pretty decent. Uh, Granted, you know, the NFL rules that have changed over the course of the last few years have kind of minimized kickoff returns. But he was fairly decent last year. Um, They also signed a linebacker that formerly played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. His last name is a long one, and I know I'll butcher it. His first name is Tyler. Last name is like Matakavich, I think. I think I said that right. This guy plays with his hair on fire. He's one of the top special teams tacklers in the National Football League. So I'm expecting their special teams unit to be much better. Uh, the more depth this team has, the more they can spread it out towards that third phase of the game. And we know Buffalo likes to do that. And anytime you have a special teams ace, first guy you got to think about is Steve Tasker one of the best, maybe the best special teams player to ever do it, wore the Buffalo Bills uniform proudly for quite some time. All right, so we do have a viewer question. I want to get this into you before we start to switch gears here. Uh, shout out to Mr. Simon Baccarella. Uh, thank you again for viewing tonight's uh, broadcast. Um, his question to you, Ryan, is what was the reason behind the Buffalo Bills releasing uh, Hauschka? The reason uh, is that we go back to talking about that draft class. They drafted a kicker by the name of Tyler Bass out of Georgia Southern, who was in a tough neck and neck competition in his collegiate days with young Hoku, who was now the Atlanta Falcons kicker. Um, and Tyler Bass outperformed Stephen Hauschka in spades in training camp. Today, he was six for six, kicking from, I believe it was 38, 42, 45, 48, and 52. Um, And then there was another 50, I think there was a 55 yarder as well. You look up Tyler Bass on YouTube, going back to his days at Georgia Southern and even his high school days, this guy might end up being one of the best kickers in the league. Um, And you want to talk about a true draft steal. He was a sixth late round draft choice, seventh round draft choice, I believe. I can't remember, but that, that might be the biggest steal of their draft. You guys know how important a kicker is in this league. And um, Tyler Bass, just simply outperformed Hauschka. I think 
it was that. And I also think to Simon's question, uh, cutting Stephen Hauschka alleviated some salary cap for the Buffalo Bills. So it was just one of those things, business. And um, it, it made made sense in that in that uh, salary cap. I just wanted to touch on that because uh, part of the reason why I asked that question is because uh, the, the pick itself of Bass was, was kind of widely like not accepted like they sound some like some folks are really upset about that but i personally um again being in georgia and, and having heard a little bit about the kids going going in um i actually think it was a really solid pick i mean i, I know you know most folks don't necessarily like drafting kickers or punters or what have you but uh with the understanding that special teams are as important as they are we just made a, a selection ourselves this season i think that's going to pay dividends i really actually like that pick i'm, I'm, I'm glad you you, you kind of touched on that because that was more the reason why I was asking. I think the kid's going to be good. I think you guys really kind of got a guy there. Yeah, and I go back to, you know, 2019, and, you know, Stephen Hauschka, um, he was shaky in moments, in particular another game that just sticks out like a sore thumb on the actual regular season slate of the Buffalo Bills schedule rather than that playoff loss uh, was the uh, Cleveland Browns game um, between the Bills traveling to Cleveland. Stephen Hauschka missed a, a – pretty crucial field goal and it actually goes back further than that the dirty player that is Henry Anderson of the New York Jets or New, New Jersey Jets he actually hit Stephen oh, Hauschka wow he actually nice hit <laughs> he actually hit Stephen Hauschka and after that Hauschka hasn't really been the same I, I hope I'm wrong on that but I know I'm not wrong on the New Jersey Jets part if we're gonna start throwing cheap shots, let's uh, let let's talk about the Buffalo Bills defensive back that whacked Quincy Nunwa in the back of the head. Okay, at, no. at the end of the play, of the first quarter was that after was that after Henry Anderson hit Stephen Hauschka or was it before? No, that was long before. Long before. Okay. Uh, no, I, I, I remember the, that. The reality is, the reality is, I, I can understand how it could be. Right. Right. You know, the reality is I, I can understand how it's been going with uh, 70 or 79%. Uh, but the whole, the whole fact, the whole fact that I say New Jersey jets, it, it ignites the rivalry between the bills and the jets. When you look at geographically, I don't understand it though. Geographically, there's the New York giants and the New York jets. They both play in New Jersey. So, you know, the bills don't play in Buffalo. They play in Orchard Park. <laughs> But I just I don't know. It's a little things. Yeah, it's been, well. It's it's been a fight. What the Jets? Uh, the Jets played the Chase Stadium. The Giants right. played uh, at the Polo Grounds, I believe. So you know, there's always there's always that uh, that angst. You know that uh, yeah, yeah. unfortunately across the river across the river, it was the only place that was willing to build the stadium. And then you had you know the Meadowlands, and I mean you right. know, it, was, it was always called Giant Stadium. So. You know, but that's enough aggravation for the. I, I will say there's always a caveat to a, to a dig. I will say that in terms of great number 12s, it, it, it started with Joe, Broadway Joe, you know, Broadway Joe, Roger Staubach, Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> right back there on the wall. Jim, Jim <laughs> Kelly, you know, you know, Jim Kelly wasn't so bad either. Fortunately, yeah, didn't get a super. No, he money. was. He no. was. Uh, I'll give I'll give Jim credit. Uh, I'll give Jim Kelly all the credit in the world. You know what? Not only just his accolades of being the four straight Super Bowls, but also being a being a cancer survivor and everything right. that the Kelly family has gone through. 
you know, he may not have suited up and played for the New York Jets, but Jim Kelly will always be respected in my eyes because of everything that he's done, not only for cancer research, but also what he's done in, in his NFL career. Now, that yeah, being yeah, said, yeah. Jim Kelly, the football player, I hated the man's guts. I hated him. <laughs> I, I wanted to tackle him and rip his guts out and beat him to death with him. Okay? So you're saying, you're saying he was the Tom Brady before Tom Brady? Uh, you know what? Yeah, I, I could. I could almost yeah. go there. I'll just be honest with you. I, I don't think I hated the. I don't think I really hated the quarterback as much as I hated Jim Kelly. And it wasn't because I really mm-hmm. didn't like his play. It was just there was really no kind of getting around. The guy was always doing. He was always. They were winning. Right, I right. couldn't stand it. I couldn't right. stand Ma- it. Uh, Marv Levy was doing was doing things with that Buffalo Bills squad that probably no nobody was doing except for Bill Bill Belichick in the early two thousands without having to cheat. Right. Not that I'll, I'll say I'll say this iconic to touch on Marv Levy. I'll say this till the day I die. You don't go to four straight Super Bowls without Jim Kelly. And you especially don't go to four straight Super Bowls without Marv Levy. Facts. Yep. That's facts. facts. Yeah. So facts. it is what it is. You had Don Beebe. <laughs> you had who else? Right. Look, so Don many Beebe, Andre Reed, Thurman Reed, Thomas. Andre Thurman. Beebe. Man. Uh, what's it, uh, ta- uh, that was that tally, was it? Daryl Tally, yeah, Daryl Tally, Cornelius Bennett, Bennett. Shane Conlon, who was from yeah. Frewsburg, which is like you know an hour outside of Orchard Park. He actually played. Fun fact: he actually played in a high school all-star game um, that was at Orchard Park in in the stadium behind me. And then you know, four or five years later, he's drafted by the Buffalo Bills. It's, that's pretty cool. All right, so I got another viewer question here that I want to uh, to to pepper our guest with. Uh, shout out to Jordan McCaskey for sending in your question on tonight's broadcast. What's up, Jordan? Jets versus Bills score B week one. I actually think it's going to be a very close game. Um, I, they always play, you know, relatively close. There's always a drive here and there, but I do have the Buffalo Bills winning, of course. I think it's going to be 24 to 17 Bills. All right, so Jordan, you got your answer here, twenty-four to seventeen builds. So I'm, I, I, uh, I may, uh, I may disagree with the score, but I definitely will agree that it is going to be a close game. So, and one more you know, thing, I, I, I'm going to shake it up, shake it up a little bit, but uh, I actually think it's going to be a little closer than that. I think that the way that our defenses are shaking up, I think it's really going to be a struggle to score. Um, if mm-hmm. our offensive line holds up, it, it really should be close. Um, but I, I, I think I'm, I think we're talking about one score game, and I don't even know if it'll be seven. I think it'll be really close. Yeah, we might be looking at like a nine six game. Yeah, could yeah could. I mean, Buffalo's defensive line is going to be tough for anybody. I think <laughs> Buffalo's defense, Buffalo's defense is going to be tough for anybody. So I could see that. I could see it being a one score less than seven point. But yeah. I'm gonna go twenty four seventeen. I think we'll see some some touchdowns. Allen and Darnold love to compete against one another. And they're really good friends, and they've been working out together all off season. All so off season. <laughs> that's that's pretty gonna, cool. That's going to be interesting, right? That that I think is going to be uh, that's going to be a storyline we'll discuss, but we'll see how it shakes out. I, I I'll be honest again. I think both of them have made have made strides. Um, oh, for sure. This this, yeah. this 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 game in particular. I don't I don't know if it's outlandish, but this game in particular is probably going to you know it's going to be shock them folks it's gonna you know set up some people who will say both of these teams and bring your a game or, or go home with the with the with the l i i, I really do I, I see it that out that's how that's how it's probably gonna shake out crazy yeah, i can't it, wait 
I think Darnold as well as Allen are two of the younger, brighter stars in the game. I really see bright futures ahead for both of them. A lot of things have to go right for that to happen, though. But skill set wise, both of them have the talent and, and then some. So for sure. All right. So it's now time to talk about New York Jets training camp, the rash of hamstring injuries. And the New York Jets becoming the all-important mass unit less than two weeks before we kick off against the said Buffalo Bills. And let me tell you something. First things first, I want to get this out of the way. And I am very curious to hear you gentlemen's opinions of all of this. And I want to actually credit um, Simon Baccarello with uh, making this comment over here on our comments feed. What is with all of these hamstring injuries going on in the NFL. Now, is that a player issue that the player is just not keeping themselves hydrated, keeping themselves loose, keeping themselves limber? Or is it a problem of a combination of no preseason games to shake the rust off, number one. Number two, the very... A unique circumstance in which every team in the NFL will be walking into this season with a little bit of a disadvantage. That's number two. And number three, a question as to whether these players are actually strength and conditioning in the offseason. So, Kevin, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, and then we're going to kick it over to Ryan because I'm very interested to hear what he has to say. Yes, uh, great question. Um, and I, I think it, it's kind of a, it's difficult to, to nail down one thing. I do think it's a combination of all of the above to a certain extent. But um, with as much time as they've had off in between, with maybe the limitations on what it is that uh, they have as far as training staff, I know that these guys put themselves through, you know, hell in the offseason to, to try to keep themselves in shape. And I think sometimes maybe they might overdo it or, or maybe they're doing some new things that, that may actually cause uh, some difficulties, some minor tears and things of that nature, some, you know, some minor injuries. But uh, it, it's really hard, especially me not being a doctor, obviously, just <laughs> uh, what causes something like that continuously. But um, obviously there is something that needs to be addressed because as much as we have here, um, I don't think it's just our team. I mean, I, we, we're seeing it all over the league. We're seeing it on the West Coast. We're seeing it in Philly. We're seeing it, you know, quite a few different places. Guys are just coming up, man. So it, it is uh, guys to, to stay healthy and to perform on this level. When you've got 250, 300-pound guys running at full speed into each other continuously, if you ever bumped into somebody, you kind of get an idea what it is that I'm, I mean by that. But um, it's hard to stay in shape. It really is, and I, especially for somebody who doesn't do it for a living. Just think about that. Um, there's a lot that these guys go through. Um until we get something medically that says, you know, this is what's causing it. I mean, it's, it's hard to narrow down. I do think it's just all of these things, you know, kind of being thrown together at the same time. It's a, you know, it's a perfect storm of, of unfortunate drama. Um, hopefully we can get through it. Hopefully it's not a, you know, the gay curse, like, like I've been hearing kicked around lately with, with mm -hmm. some folks getting injured uh, in the green and white, but, you know, I don't know. That's hard. That really is hard. I do think that there's, a, again, just a, a certain degree of every aspect of it that, that plays in. Ryan, I'm curious to hear your take up there. And 
uh, I, I haven't really had the opportunity to really sit down and take a look at the at the Buffalo injury report. I'm sure you probably have it o- over there in front of you. So yep. uh, can you tell me what do you think is your opinion? Do you think it's because we have to have this ramp-up period to get ready for week one without having the benefit of preseason? Or do you think there's, there's an underlying problem? I think a little bit of both, actually. Uh, an injury that uh, took place on this Bills roster, Stephon Diggs, he has a – uh, back injury where his back is tight and he can't, you know, he's trying to stretch it out. He's trying to get things moving back there. Um, I noticed at practice uh, the other day, he was actually tossing the football and he was tossing it sidearm, just trying to do anything to kind of just stay in some sort of a rhythm. And he looked like his back was super tight. Um, I think it, it, it goes without saying, you know, these are unprecedented times we're, we're living in, just a, a complete cluster, you know what, of an NFL offseason. Mm-hmm. And all these players are so accustomed to running drills in June and July, running drills with expert trainers and, and being massaged and, and getting all the, the therapy that they need <laughs> that they didn't. Not the Robert Kraft kind. Now, uh, not, I, the, I, not the Robert Kraft kind. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're used to being, you know, somewhat prepared over the course of June, July, August preseason and then September the season not only is there no preseason we're starting training camp in you know these really rushed circumstances that when you rush things like this offseason has been rushed um, you're going to start to see that I actually I'm not really shocked that we're seeing the injuries that we're seeing not just on the Jets but just league-wide due to the fact that these players are not in the in the same particular rhythm that they're accustomed to and when you throw off a rhythm, things get thrown out of whack. So that's oh, yeah, kind of what time. we're seeing right now. Big time. Easy. So uh, I tell you, it's one of the things that that's why I know that the NFL wants to extend the season, and I completely get it. I also understand the players wanting to eliminate a couple of preseason games. If we're being asked to play two more regular season games as opposed to preseason they want to have a little bit of a give and take but as we're showing here obviously COVID-19 creates for a very unique circumstance this upcoming football season and there are a lot of people that are automatically going to say hey blame it on COVID COVID gave everybody an instant excuse and so on but to me I think that the players' union should have opted for two-a-days instead of preseason games. You guys under you guys see the direction I'm going with this? Because yeah. I really think that the first four to six weeks of football, we are going to see incredibly atrocious football. I do not think that we are going to see the product that we are accustomed to seeing over the past couple of years. Now, obviously – Like I stated just a little bit ago, every single team in the NFL is going to be coming into this season at some sort of disadvantage. And the New York Jets are not a beneficiary of that. They're not exempt from that. Okay? So, to me, I think a lot of the hamstring injuries and a lot of the other injuries that you see during the course of a normal training camp, it just seems that this year's training camp, everything is so much more magnified because there's not that benefit of the preseason games for young guys to be able to get some reps. So you have maybe an undrafted free agent or two 
that could possibly come on like a Lawrence Cager, like a George Campbell, okay, like an Anthony Chiaffi, okay, that would be given the opportunity to come out and to actually have a legitimate chance to make this roster. So that being said, you know, uh, oh, uh, Simon Baccarella chimes in. It says it's going to look like the XFL. I can't say that it's going to – that it's uh, – it, it, he's not you far know, off. To, to Simon's point, the, the refs look like the XFL every <laughs> single week anyway. So who, who really – you know, what, what's the difference? I mean, that's, really. That's I mean, you no. guys know. You guys know the refs in the that's NFL a, are, a, are pretty bad. Point. So yeah, <laughs> you ain't kidding about that. Uh, <laughs> you know what? It, it, it is – I, I'm, I'm interested to see how, you know, and we're talking about how COVID is going to affect. I'm interested to see if some of the roster extensions and, and some of the other stuff they were talking about doing um, are really going to lead to maybe some more opportunities for some of these guys who normally wouldn't have them, you know, I, just uh, are, are we going to see maybe uh, a lot bigger rotation of guys who might not necessarily have had an opportunity if it wasn't because of, uh, you know, the, the, the pandemic. Um, maybe getting opportunities to play because of some injuries or maybe getting opportunities right. to play because, you know, just it, it, it's difficult to rotate in so many guys, uh, excuse me, so few guys, excuse me, without having, you know, these, these little nicks and, and things that, that uh, cause a guy to sit maybe a game or two. We might actually see some names that, that we've never heard of uh, getting opportunities to show up. It would be interesting to see. Yeah, this is one of the things that, that I made this point a few weeks back, and Kevin could back me up on this one where when the NFL announced that they were going to have 80 players, um, that they were going to have an 80-man roster, it was, it was my suggestion that you need to keep those 80 players on the roster for all throughout training camp and all throughout the, the entire 16-game season that you're going to be playing this year because you don't know if a team is going to have a, an outbreak of COVID because if they do – if you have an outbreak of COVID on the San Francisco 49ers, that could potentially end their season. It could potentially end their season. Yeah. Same thing with the Kansas City Chiefs. Same thing with the New England Patriots. Same thing with the New York Jets. Same thing with the Buffalo Bills. Same thing with the, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The list goes on and on and on. Okay, so in my opinion, I think the NFL needs to keep that 80-man roster in place until the 16 until uh, until week 17. When all the regular season games are all done, and then you do exactly like baseball does, you pay your roster down to twenty-five. That's a fair point. That's that's definitely a fair point. I I think that this commissioner though is so tone deaf to pretty much anything. Like without throwing shots fired at Roger Goodell, I, I just did. I just I don't know, Either CJ. Right. I, I just feel like Roger Goodell is just so. He just doesn't get what's actually taking place. The NHL and the NBA, I thought, in terms of how they've handled this whole COVID pandemic, I thought they did it pretty brilliantly by forming these the bubble bubbles board, and, and, and forming, yeah, forming these bubbles for these players. And granted, you know, these athletes don't want to be cooped up in these tiny little hotel rooms. I saw some of the pictures of where these players were staying. Uh, I think it was DeMar DeRozan posted a picture of his hotel room, and it was like, I mean, it was it was less than a holiday in. It was it was pretty rough. And uh, <laughs> they had they had the option to opt out. They did. They did. They, so they had, the, they had the option to opt out. And, and right. you know what? The option to opt out for COVID-19 is already coming gone in the NFL. 
right? So if any of these players, if any of these players are going to use that as an excuse, I definitely call shenanigans on that. Right, they can't. And I just think that I think that Goodell kind of let the other leagues do their thing when it's like this is the NFL. This is the king of sports. Like, let's be honest. The NFL is here. Everybody else is, is way down yeah. the list. Yeah. So Roger I, I, Goodell, I, I, I think he needs to be more vocal about what they're actually going to do. I haven't really heard a true plan from Roger Goodell. I said, I said it a couple of weeks ago, CJ, you, I mean, you, you, when we talked about the, you know, the plan and the possibility of having the season be shortened, um, it, you know, you, you, you have things that they know that, that, you know, limit, you know, I guess the downside or, or the negative possibilities. You, you have to spend the money. You have to take the time. Um, mm-hmm. We really haven't seen them do any of that at this point. I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of lucky that we are in the position that we're in right now. But the fact of the matter is that it's a precarious position. I mean, just imagine, we, we just discussed, you know, having a, having teams affected by, just imagine an entire position group on, on, on a team, literally an entire position group. So now, mm-hmm. you know, all your wide receivers are done. We, we're, we personally, we're down to six. I mean, we don't have that. How many running backs do we have? That entire group goes, man, right. there's, 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 I haven't seen anything that says any team will be able to, to, to come back from something like that. Um, you know, nor have I really seen a protocol that, that limits the possibility of that happening just based on where it is that we are. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be difficult. I'm, I'm thankful and I, I think to Ryan's point, I'm, I'm, they didn't. They, they, those other guys had opportunities to opt out. I'm thankful that they didn't, because mm-hmm. as a fan of sports, uh, as a competition junkie, I'm, I'm sick of watching the, you know, the dogs wrestle, um, to try to see who's going to come out on top. Because that's basically where I'm at right now, you know. <laughs> but something like that, you know, we, we, uh, we need to have more answers. We need to have a smarter, um, you know, uh, options available for something like this. And I, dude, it's, I it's am so difficult. Jo- <laughs> Smart. I'm so jonesing for football that I broke out my PlayStation 2 and I started playing EA Sports Arena football. Okay. This is where I'm at. Okay. Well, it's, a good, it's a good thing you didn't get Madden 21 because it's the same right. as last year's. Wow, okay. Good Lord. Yeah. That's I've, a, been, I could I've go been, on a uh, tangent about that, too. Yeah, I've been watching <laughs> NFL play. I've been watching NFL replay on the on the on Breland Network. Like, you know, I know the outcome, but you know, I didn't see that play. <laughs> we're struggling we need sports back we need them yes back. we do all right so i did want to go over a couple of transactions that the new york jets uh did in fact make uh over these past couple of days um the jets acquired second year wide receiver dj montgomery from waivers from cleveland uh, montgomery is 6'1 201 pounds came to the browns as an undrafted free agent had two college seasons of double-digit touchdown receptions. Uh, uh, okay, uh, he began his rookie preseason in Cleveland strongly with five receptions for 124 yards and a touchdown in the Browns' first two summer games, but then he sustained a hamstring injury midway through training camp and sat out on the injured reserve. So uh, that courtesy of NewYorkJets.com. Also, you know, unfor- un- unfortunate injury news again. My guy, LaMichael Pirine. Um, ends up being carted off the field uh, at the green and white scrimmage with uh, what is said to be a very serious ankle injury. Um, uh, apparently, I guess on a play in which he was tackled for loss, he bent back awkwardly on that uh, on that ankle. Um, he had to be carted off, so he's set to have an MRI tomorrow. So again, he ends up on the injured list. Um, you've got Jeff Smith, who's still injured, wide receiver. 
Um, matter of fact, even the trade that had a lot of Jets fans talking, Kalen Balaj. Okay, Jets traded a conditional uh, seventh rounder. Guess what, Jet fans? He failed his physical, so his ass goes back to Miami. So whether or not the Jets will end up getting him on waivers or, or pick him up on the free agent wire, so either way, the Jets get that conditional seventh round pick back. Um, but basically, your, your running back room right now, is Le'Veon Bell and Frank Gore and Josh Allen, who was at 50%. Uh, uh, not Josh Allen, Josh Adams, excuse me. Um, he still has a bum hamstring. So, you know, it's, it, it's, just, uh, it, it, it's just absolutely ridiculous what the New York Jets wide receiving core and now the running back room is starting to look like with this attrition of injuries. So, Kevin, I'm going to tee this up to you and then we'll, we'll pass it off to Ryan as well. You know, again, is this is this something because guys are coming into camp unprepared, or is this because of the having to go from zero to top speed in a very shortened a shortened period of time, really to blame for all of this? Yeah, I, I reiterate, I, I do think that it's a combination of of all of the above. Um, I, I'll say this in particular: when it comes to our situation specifically. Um, this is just another unfortunate side effect of us not already having, you know, at least a foundation of talent on this roster. Um, we, we've been saying it for years, the offensive line, criminally neglected, which is the reason why we don't have uh, depth in our second and third, you know, situations. Uh, same thing with our defensive backfield. Same thing with our running backs, excuse me. Same thing with our wide receivers. Um, we could actually look at quite a few of our, our, our positional groups and just – you know, recognize that uh, our, our ownership, our, our, our leadership, our front office, these these past how many every year since, uh, um, you know, 2009, 2010, um, we just really have dropped the ball when it comes to, you know, cultivating and, and adding and solidifying talent here. So, uh, you know, these, these, these small minor things, they're, they're going to look like big deals because, you know, we're already compounding an issue that's you know, taking how many ever years to get to the point that it's at. Um, we, we, we have to do better. Um, we have to do better at the training staff. We have to do better, you know, on the field. We have to do the, the players themselves do have responsibility. These, these guys are businessmen. Every move that they make is a business decision. Them not keeping themselves at optimal or maybe going too far. Um, you know, all of those things are, you know, unfortunate, but they're things that, you know, we have to deal with. And far be it for me to sit back and say, you know, a guy who who kicks his own ass every single day to, to make the living that they make um, needs to do better. But unfortunately, that's kind of, you know, something that we have to ask of them. And, uh, you know, as of right now, hopefully by the time we get to actual football, these guys will, will have found the sweet spot. Um, and, uh, you know, even the, the coaches and the training staffs will, will have better ideas about how to rotate guys in and out to keep them fresh. But as of right now, um, this is a perfect storm, uh, a perfect storm of, of kind of difficult circumstances, just, you know, kind of converging on this one spot. Hopefully we'll be able to overcome it. Uh, I hope for every player, um, I hope they all can kind of come to a point where they're comfortable with it. But uh, un until, you know, I guess it's over. I mean, really, how do we combat it other than just, you know, keep, keep your, keep, uh, keep, keep opportunities for injury, you know, um, how do you keep them down? It's football. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's hard. It's, hard. it's not. It's, yeah. As I said before the show started, it's not tiddlywinks. And you got yeah. these guys 
crashing into each other like a car crash. I mean, they're going full speed ahead as fast as they can run. If it's a wide receiver against a DB, if it's a safety at a, at a running back, it, it is what it is. It's part of the game. All right. So uh, Ryan, I do have a question from, from uh, what one of our listeners uh, watching us here on, on Facebook live shout out to, to Lou Uriv, uh moderator hey, and, and administrator for, for the true NFL uh, uh, jet fans page on Facebook uh, has a question for you. Um, he says he wants to know if you're going to throw yourself on burning tables in the parking lot before game one. <laughs> <laughs> Lou, That's I a good man. Maybe, you know, may, if the bills win week one, which I think <laughs> they will, right. I, I, the, you, you might see me do a flying elbow off of my Jeep <laughs> onto a, uh, onto a picnic table, maybe onto right. my back my back picnic table that I just bought. I don't know. I don't want to throw money down the drain. Right. (laughs) At the the end of the season. Yeah. I I, I definitely can see that. At the the end end of the season. No, I wanted to season. I want to light a table on fire and I want to smash my head through it because I'm, you know, (laughs) know, when I, when I see highlights of that Texans game, I want to jump off a table. Uh, (laughs) Oh, don't get me started. People wonder why. All right, so moving on. All right, uh, just really quick, wanted to go over the injuries again because we just can't seem to stop talking about the injuries because that seems to be the only thing that's going on with the New York Jets nowadays is injuries. All right, so Jeff Smith, hurt in practice, will have an MRI on the shoulder. Uh, Right guard Greg Van Rotten, oblique, he's limited in practice. Brian Poole, dehydration, close to return. Somebody explain to me what type of dehydration Brian Poole actually suffered from and let me know if the, uh, uh, how any of us could get it and if we should be on the lookout. <laughs> so, uh, James Burgess, uh, out with the back. He actually returned. Uh, Brashard Perryman still out with the knee. Denzel Mims with the hamstring. I think with uh, Denzel Mims, they're being extremely precautionary. I've heard a couple of reports. He's probably going to be good to go for week one. Uh, Pierre Desir, hamstring. Uh, linebacker Ter- Terrell Basham with an ankle and defensive end Jabari Zuniga with a quad. Uh, Perryman still time uh, still needs time for the swelling in the knee to subside. So, you know, again, the New York Jets becoming that mash unit. As the wide receiver position right now, we have uh, uh, Jehu Chesson as a, a guy back in there. You know, you had Vincent Smith who had a core muscle recovery. Um, he's going to be out probably for a month. Um so, you know, Bra- Braxton Berrios uh, now getting an opportunity to get some extra reps. So, you know, the Jets are trying to work with who- whoever they got. Um, also, the Jets signing Dante Moncrief. You know, uh, uh, he still has to pass his uh, his uh, uh, 2019, uh, 2019, uh, COVID, uh, uh, 2020 COVID-19. There we go. See all this, cr- uh, this crap with COVID? <laughs> it just completely confuses everything. I can't even talk. New, new acronym. All day long. You guys, you guys I, 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 I stopped I stop watching the Fauci report like April 15th. I, I'm, I'm tapped out. To use the MMA terminology, I've tapped out long ago. I'm just wearing my mask, washing my hands. The fact that washing your hands is like a thing, like that you that we have to tell each other that we have to do is, is kind of sad. I think that's the saddest thing about this, outside of the fact that our country is just – doing awful yeah, with we're, this we're in horrible wow. it, it, it is funny I, I had that conversation the other day i don't too far off but you know just to say wash your hands like 
don't you usually? <laughs> I, I, right. I, I, thought, I, I know I've always washed my I hands. Oh man! It just makes you think what people were doing before we actually had to start telling everybody right. to wash their hands. Ah, surprise! Something else. Surprise! Something else didn't kill us all, right? Right. right. <laughs> so, next is you know the return of the murder hornets part two, like the hornet strike. Oh please! <laughs> Have you seen one of those things? Seriously? Yeah, I know those things. Are yeah, crazy. they're they're pretty pretty nuts. My my, my brother sure. sent me a picture. Uh, I, I I like I look like how big is it, Dad? He put down like a, a a quarter, I guess, to try to give a you know a a, a size comparison. That thing, Dad had to shoot that thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Better make sure you got your pellet gun handy. All right. So, all right. So now another thing that I wanted to talk about, which seems to be picking up a little bit of steam, is obviously. You know, the lack of a non-story, I really don't even know why I'm bringing this up, is uh, the the obvious thing that the media seems to be putting out there about Le'Veon Bell and Adam Gase. And apparently, I guess, Adam Gase held uh, Le'Veon Bell out of one of the practices, I believe it was Thursday. Le'Veon Bell put some tweets on. Uh, Gase had said that he pulled him out because um, he had said he was experiencing tightness in his hamstring. It was more of a precautionary measure. Bell wanted to go back in to continue practicing. And apparently, I guess Bell put some tweets on there that, you know, he wants to be the best in practice because that's going to help him be the best in game. Uh, Apparently, Adam Gase caught wind of it, was a little taken aback by it, and now it's creating an issue Guys, I got to ask you, we'll start with Ryan, then we'll circle back around with Kevin. Really, I mean, is this what training camp reporting is now starting to be <laughs> broken down to, where, like, now we have to honor at, overanalyze a player's tweets, and, and we can't just get past a lot of this nonsense that normally happens with training camp? Twitter is the greatest, worst invention of all time. It yeah. is, it is, it's, it's right up there. I don't know. I it's it's I can't even compare it to anything else. It's just so for for any NFL player to even have a Twitter, you you're you're pretty bold, you know, in this day and age with people reading into things and stuff like that. But I think with Adam Gase and Le'Veon Bell, so weird to me, you know, they go out, they get Le'Veon Bell, and then there was a lot of friction with Adam Gase and Le'Veon Bell. You know, in the wasn't there some friction during the season and, and some rumblings? Did Adam Gase really want Le'Veon Bell, or was it the GM that they had let go? So I don't know. I'm I'm feeling like this um, is just going to recur, and they're just looking for any excuse to kind of come up with, not even from the media's perspective, but more so from the coach's perspective of the uh, New York Jets, Adam Gase. It's like he's looking for reasons to kind of justify moving on from Le'Veon Bell, and it's like. Guys, you're not moving on from Le'Veon Bell anytime soon. He's got a lot of guaranteed money on that contract. This is this is Evan, the hard part for me. Yeah, no, this, this is on it before I chime in. Yeah, excuse me. I, I, and I, this is a hard part for me because I think Ryan touches upon something that I, I think probably doesn't go far enough. Um, everybody's talking about you know giving these these reasonings behind uh, why Le'Veon Bell isn't getting, you know, the opportunities or, or why he didn't have, uh, you know, what it is that we hoped that we would have last season. Um, and, and again, the Adam Gase question and how it is that his, his, his little weight on, on every scale 
um, within the organization when it comes to player personnel, when it comes to who who gets brought in. If we're talking about the Balage uh, situation with the running back and and how it is that that Le'Veon is either not or or being used, um, bringing in Frank Gore uh, per se um, to to you know boost. Uh, our backfield when we we have Bilal Powell available, who I think uh, maybe has a little bit more in tank and, and has already uh, shown that he can be effective with what it is that we do, um, maybe for cheaper. Um, the Adam Gase aspect of, of everything is going to drive me crazy because I already have questions about Adam Gase and I already, you know, I, I, I try every single week to not pound how much it is that I want Adam Gase out of here two years ago. Seriously. But this is a microcosm of why the issues that surround Adam Gase are going to stay until he is gone. Um, the, the conversation about Marcus May today being held out, I think that Adam Gase did that because he's trying to maybe downplay what it is that happened with Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell gets held out of practice. Adam Gase holds him back. Um, Le'Veon says, this is the time where I need to be getting more, not getting less at the injury or, or the whatever it is that you're saying is, uh, was the cause to hold me out, wasn't right. enough to stop me from practicing and I need more practice. A lot of the injuries that we're seeing right now, does that mean that if it were a game that these guys wouldn't play? More than likely not. More than likely, these guys would be playing with some of the stuff that they have. Does that mean it's not bad? No. It just means that maybe how we view them should maybe, you know, be pulled back just a little bit. Maybe we need to rein it in just a little bit because um, we're, we're, we're still unsure. Um, at this point, we, I, I don't want to, I don't want to over, uh, you know, kind of play this, but until we actually get real football, legitimate football, these questions that, you know, it, it's going to be difficult for us to answer them because, we really don't know what's on this guy's mind at this point in time. Would would it be something that we would be talking about if it was a game um, and, uh, you know, there was a little bump or a little bruise and a guy, you know, who's saying that I want to go back in, I'm capable of going back in, would Adam Gates pull him then when, when it was actually meaningful football? Is that something that we would see? Um, I don't know, man. Um, I, just, just to kind of wrap it up, just because I don't want to talk about this all day and I do want to get Ryan's point on this book. Um, I'm sick of Adam Gase. I want Adam Gase out of here so badly, but um, I'm willing at this point, obviously, to shut up until we give him an opportunity to see what it is that he can do this season. I, I just hope that he's learning from some of these things and that this is going to be something that we're talking about every week. I'm so sick of having to deal with this. Please, can we just get the football? Please. Right. Yeah, I agree for um to an extent, Kev, I really just think that whatever situation that's just out there going on between Adam Gase and Le'Veon Bell is being completely overblown. Like today, um, Marcus May felt a little bit of tightness in the hamstring. Gase pulled him out. May said he could have actually went back in. Um, he uh, he had actually said that you know, he he probably could have gone back in, and Gase had even mentioned that he probably could have sent him back in, but it was more precautionary move. And it, and he did the same thing with Le'Veon Bell earlier in the week. Now, you know, it's as far as I'm concerned, I really just think these are just non-stories, and they're just they're looking for anything to incite the fan base. I, I I really do. Now, look, whether you like Adam Gase, whether you don't like Adam Gase. He's the New York Jets head coach, and it's ultimately his decision 
who's going to practice, who's not going to practice, and he's going to he's going to do what he feels is going to be in the best interest of the team. Now, whether or not you and I like that, you know what? There is there are some things that Adam Gase has done that I've been totally against, and I've been on this show and I've absolutely bashed him for it. But there are some things that he's done where I've been like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I could understand why he did that, and, and I've given him his props where where his props is due. But to me, I just think that. All of this garbage that hits the pen to paper with there's a rift between Gase and, and Bell and Gase didn't want Bell here. And that's why he brought in Frank Gore and they're going to show Le'Veon Bell the door. I don't think so. I think that Frank Gore and I'm actually going to pick Ryan's brain on Frank Gore, him being a former Buffalo Bill. I think that Frank Gore is going to add a dynamic element to this New York Jets backfield that we have not seen in a very, very long time. Okay. So I think that everyone just needs to pump the brakes, relax. Just like Kevin said, we all desperately need football right now. Let's not drive ourselves off a cliff with the latest article from Brian Costello or Rich Semini or whoever, or, or whoever has the pen and paper this week. The potsters. Yeah, those guys, man. Right. Some of those so, names just make my skin crawl, right? <laughs> it's, it's, we got them in Buffalo, too. We got him in Buffalo too. Oh, trust me. We got him in Buffalo too. I, I can name names all day, but you know, I won't throw anyone under the bus, but you know, sometimes sometimes you have to. When there's these stories like this, it's like right. no one wants to hear negative thoughts. Jerry Sullivan in in the Buffalo News, um, formerly of the Buffalo News. I don't know who he's writing for now. Um, and from time to time, um, we have Vic Carucci who sometimes writes some negative pieces that it's like didn't they just win last week? Yeah. You know, isn't that, isn't that what matters? Right. Winning, oh, you know, isn't that the, isn't that the goal? You win. It's like, it's like last year. Okay. Last year I got completely aggravated with the New York media. I'm sorry, Ryan, to, to, to kind of steal. No, this you're win. good. You're I, good. I, I promise. I'll give it right back to you. Cause I sure. want to know your opinion, what to look out for, for Frank Gore. I didn't forget that point. But when the right. Jets beat the Raiders 34 to three. Okay. They completely took the Raiders to the woodshed and completely dismantled them. And Adam Gase probably had one of his best games as a play caller, as a head coach, as the New York Jets head coach. The Dallas victory as well. He realized that not one person gave him an iota of credit. All they said was, oh, the Raiders were playing over their heads. Oh, the Raiders were bound to lose sometime. Oh, the Raiders were there. The Raiders were a playoff team last year, folks. Wake up. And the New York Jets smacked the absolute shit out of them at a 1 o'clock game in MetLife. No COVID-19. No excuses. Nothing. Okay? The Raiders were a playoff team last year. I don't care if they were playing over their head, playing under their head, playing in the bed playing on the side of the bed, playing in the bathtub, or whatever your excuse is going to be. They were in the playoff hunt, and they came to the East Coast, and they got smacked around in MetLife Stadium. Sam Darnold put on a clinic, okay? That's Not when he was getting picked up on fantasy teams. Mention. Yeah, right. Not right. one single mention. All we got was, eh, eh. Really? So, so it's, 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 it's difficult, difficult to be a Jets fan. 
difficult to be a Jet. Hey, I mean, <laughs> Buffalo, Buffalo is looked at as the uh, left armpit of New York State. So, it, you know, it, it is what it is. We, we, Thurman Thomas, the all-time great Buffalo Bill, said he thought Buffalo was in New York City. He's like, oh, I'm going to Buffalo with the snow, the Siberia of the NFL. Those were his exact words. It was pretty <laughs> – Pretty epic. You got to check that out on YouTube when you get the chance. But, um, you know, to go back to your Frank Gore question, um, you know, Frank Gore, I don't know if Frank Gore will be a dynamic weapon in the offense, but in terms of a player knowing his role and knowing that he's a short down and distance back that can break for, for some, some semi-decent runs last year in Buffalo, you had Devin Singletary, you had Frank Gore, and you actually had LaShawn McCoy, who was a training camp casualty um, that Buffalo released and then got scooped up by KC. Now he's in Tampa Bay. Um, and going in, they had Singletary and Frank Gore for the season. And I thought, man, I just don't think that was a good move. I thought that uh, Devin Singletary and McCoy would have fed off of each other really well with Frank Gore being like that RB3. But they go with Singletary, who's more of the flashy guy. They go with Frank Gore. And Gord did some really good things for the Buffalo Bills from like week one to like week six or seven. When the season started to change as far as, and I will say this, it sounds crazy, but when the weather started to change and there was more wear and tear on the body for Frank Gore than virtually any other running back in the league due to the fact that the guy just doesn't age and he hasn't gone away just yet. Um, Frank Gore you start to see the, the age, you start to see the, the, the players slow down a little bit. You start to see his role get a little bit diminished for the New York jets. They got to have Le'Veon Bell. They can have Frank Gore and they can use Frank Gore, but they have to have somebody else. They, they can't, they, they can't lean on Frank Gore as a true RB two. That's not who he is anymore. And that's okay. He's still a pretty damn good back and he, he's one of the best to ever do it. Right. I'm thinking that the New York Jets are going to end up using Frank Gore as more of a situational back. And I think that that's really the reason why Adam Gase brought him in, because he was used more as a situational back when he was in Miami. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that Adam Gase probably has that idea. Probably Daryl Loggins in his ear as well, um, uh, saying that, you know, got, you got the opportunity to bring in Gore. And then again, another uh, another knock on, oh, well, players don't want to play for Adam Gase. Okay, well, Frank Gore signed with the New York Jets because of Adam Gase. Mm -hmm. So what, what's this? Play, players don't want to play for Adam Gase. Why? Because Jamal Adams uh, uh, pissed and moaned and got himself traded to, to Seattle. So, you know, that, that's why I, I kind of have – my thing about Adam Gase is, is that, look, I'm not a Gase guy, but you know what? He's the head coach of my football team. And I'm going to root for him to succeed because if he comes in and the Jets make the playoffs so they make a deep run, then you know what? I'm going to be happy that he's here. If this team, mm -hmm. if this team goes 1-15 next year and the bottom completely falls out and Sam Darnold looks you know, like he's regressing instead of progressing and the offense can't you know, find its way to put points on the board, then, yeah, you have to ask the question, is Gase the guy? But right now, we really don't know anything. And, I mean, the Jets finishing 7-9 and nine last year, despite their schedule, whatever their schedule is, what their schedule was last year. And they still finished 6-2 and two in their last eight games. They were the best in the AFC. So, you know, it, that has to mean something. 
there has there mm -hmm. has some progress that the Jets can in fact build up going into this upcoming season. So, like it or not, he's going to be here. And regardless of what I think about him personally or not, I want him to be successful here because that means my football team is going to be successful. So the sooner we stop with the oh well, let's get crazy eyes out of here. Let uh, I hope we go one in fifteen so that way they fire crazy eyes. You, you're you're insane for having that type of mentality. Really. I, I, I say it, and uh, CJ, this kind of goes back a, a, a couple of weeks to when uh, Frank Gore was in the spotlight. Uh, there are so many different indicators about if Frank Gore being mentioned at all during the season um, is a good or a bad thing. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm hoping that we don't necessarily hear a lot from Frank Gore um, because that means either our – First string running back, our starting running back, maybe on Bell, who was uh, supposedly the, the the Bell cow, is actually performing well, and 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 you know maybe if Frank Gore comes in and spells him every now and again, that's good, and that that helps our continuity. Or, um, depending upon um, what happens with P Ryan, if P Ryan comes in and who, you know, we drafted obviously to be a a, a future uh, you know a resource in the backfield. If that guy's stepping up, then that again is something that we hear less of Frank Gore. Um, Frank Gore is, has been, you know, as much respect as I can give him, he's been, you know, he's been an, uh, an extremely consistent player when it comes to uh, some of the point that uh, Ryan talks about. I mean, he's not going to come in, he's not going to be flashy, but, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust, if you give it to him a couple of times, you know, you'll get a few <laughs> first downs and maybe, you know, maybe he'll break one and, and it'll be exciting for the game. But, you know, if you're expecting to get more than 40, 50 yards out of Frank Gore every game, I think you're game planning incorrectly. Um, and that, I think, is going to be a big deal with how it is that he's mm -hmm. used. If Adam Gay starts to use him where, you know, if Frank Gore's getting 10, 15 carries a game, oh, man, we're, we, we've got a problem. I, I, I'll just say that. I think we've got a problem. I don't, I don't think that that should be his role. But it also kind of begs the question when you bring him in and you kind of, you know, as, as far as Adam, my idea about what Adam Gay's mindset is, he bring a guy in, uh, in like that. To say that he's going to have a, a specified role in the offense, I think that already is, is I think that's a bad idea. Um, Frank Gore, he can still produce. I don't have any doubt about that. Why should we have uh, almost a 40-year-old running back come in to, to produce on an offense that has younger, more, you know, uh, you know I guess uh, maybe more ready guys to, to perform now? Um, I, I still have some questions about Frank Gore. I'm, I'm glad that he's here for the locker room. I'm glad that he's here for the veteran presence, for what it is that, the, you know, the guys are going to learn from him. But I hope and I pray, fingers crossed, and, you know, hand up uh, hand up, up to the sky that uh, I hope that we're not talking about Frank Gore being one of our guys on offensive season. I really think that bodes, that doesn't bode well for us if that is the case. Right, that is true. And speaking of the spotlight, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time in the show where my partner in crime takes us in the spotlight. In, in the spotlight with Kevin Jackson. Kevin Jackson. So, Kevin, who do we got in the spotlight here this week? The white, hot, burning spotlight. It is so bright. It's so bright. I got to put shades on, bro. And I don't even right, have any shades right. to put on here. <laughs> right. Here we go. As a matter, as a matter of fact, let's do this. All right. There in the spotlight, <laughs> in the spotlight this week, um, 
this is going to be a, a, a really quick and it's going to really be a, a really short one because uh, the Jets special teams is in the spotlight this week. And I, I say that specifically because there's, there, there are a few different things that we can discuss as far as, you know, injury storylines and, and player personnel storylines and all of these things. But I want to kind of bring it back because in a few weeks, we're actually going to have real football. Um, to the point that we're going to have difficulties with uh, players not being acclimated uh, as as accustomed because of the shortness and the limitations that we've had of the, of the preseason and, uh, and, and, and training camp. Um, I honestly say that uh, special teams for all of the, the organizations in the league that have structurally sound special teams, I think that's going to give them a little bit of an advantage. Um, I wanted to discuss special teams in, in, in our situation because I think that it also draws, I think, some fair questions about Joe Douglas and what it is that he's done since he's come here. I, I have to give Joe Douglas a lot of props. I'm, I'm thankful that he's done some of what it, is, what it is that he has done. But I think the very first foundational mistake that he made was not addressing our kicker situation last season. And I think going into this camp as well, seeing some of the difficulties that we've had between Thicken and Mar, I think that also is, is, is a big issue. And then um, Ryan touched upon it earlier, just to, to give contextual, um, Houska having the difficulty that he had last season, not even be able to make 80% of the field goals. You get cut doing things like that. You lose games doing things like that. In certain situations, you change the course of a team's goals for the season by having a kicker who is income or incapable of, of, of even being able to make, uh, you know, 30, 45 yard football uh, field goals. Um, when, to be honest, that's something that we need. Um, we've addressed our punter situation and I'm, I'm thankful that he brought in the guy, a uh, man that he did. And I'm telling you again, before the end of the season, you're going to see me with that Jersey on just, just, you know, just move on from that. But I think special teams is going to wait. be huge. I think special teams is going to be huge. And, because I love Joe Douglas the way that I do, I'm not – I can't overlook that. I have to say that it's going to be something I think that is, is going to be maybe a conversation that we have going forward that I think is going to be maybe a difficult situation. But the Jets special teams this season with the offense needing more time, I think we're going to struggle early. I think that's – you know, I think every team will. But I think our situation is a lot different because the, the foundational piece that we need to perform well – is really not going to have enough time to get there uh, by the beginning of the season. That means the offensive line. Offensive line is not quite there yet. We're going to struggle. Um, field position game is going to be important. Um, if we can actually get down the field and into range for a field goal kicker to maybe change the game, do we have one that can actually do it? Um, I'm not going to be long-winded on this. You know I can talk all day about this stuff. But the fact of the matter is special teams in the spotlight this week I think is, 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 a, is a great place for us to be. Um, CJ, I know you got something, Ryan. I know you can speak to this because I know special teams has been something that your team has, has been affected by. I don't know. Man. I, I think our special teams this season are going to be a, it, it's going to be an integral part of how well it actually is that we do. Um, what do you guys think? Am I off base here? Where are we at? Ryan, no, it's, 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 a, it's a pivotal part of the game. Sorry to interrupt there, CJ, but it's a, it's a pivotal part of the game. I mean, you do got Hauschka out there. You know, Buffalo just cut him. <laughs> you do got him out. I mean, Steven Hauschka, he's not, he's not horrible. The, yeah, the Bills just – they just, they just <laughs> had a younger, cheaper option that was doing a little bit better. Um, but you also got, I believe, 
Uh, Steven Goskowski is still out there, the longtime um, Patriots maybe. kicker. Yeah. I mean, maybe kick the tires on that. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, special teams is, is so important. And with the Jets having – the Jets have had a lot of turnover at wide receiver. I mean, Brashad Perriman's a new body at that position. Um, Denzel Mims, we mentioned him earlier with his little hamstring uh, issue. That's a pick that I really liked, and, and that's a player that I really liked um, heading into the 2018 draft, and I thought that that was a decent draft choice for the Jets. Um, but without a lot of depth at that position – those guys are not taking part on the team really effectively as special teamers, whereas Buffalo has, you know, a deep wide receiver core. Now you have some of these guys playing on special teams, making an impact. So I think they got to maybe beef up the wide receiver unit a little bit. Um, I don't know how much they can do that though, this late in the off season, but I think that'll be a position that they're definitely going to target in, in the 2021 draft for sure. Yeah, I'd, listen, if the name Jason Vedvik isn't enough to give you nightmares <laughs> alone, to just tell you what the New York Jets play. Stephen Hauschka is better than Jason Vedvik. Yeah. I mean, come on. Come on. Yeah. Listen, Kari Vedvik was, was a guy that I, I kind of was hoping that we would have brought in because he was doing well before he got here, and then uh, you know he got here and, and, and the wheels fell off. That That's another reason why I think special teams is as big as, 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 as what it is. And Brent Boyer, who's done such a great job here, I'll say it again. And I mean, I, I, I'd like to be on record with this. Um, I think when you got guys who perform the way that he, that he has with, you know, what it is that he's performed with, um, especially seeing what we see in in, uh, in, uh, in in the Giants organization right now, special teams guys get head coaching opportunities. You know, they get looks. And uh, this guy's done some things that uh, I think it would be difficult for us to say that we should overlook him as being uh, a, a candidate for somebody to, to pull away from us. So special teams is going to be huge. I, I, I will continually uh, say that, you know, we can't, we can't maybe miss out on the aspects that that brings to every team and uh, where a team like ours is right now in flux and, and kind of, you know, trying to figure it out. Special teams is going to be huge for us. I hope it's not, uh, uh, you know, negatively impacting, but I do believe it's going to have, a really huge impact on how our entire season shakes out. We'll see how it works out. Yeah, exactly. Special teams is going to be the difference sometimes between winning and losing, especially in the battle of field position. So, you know, when you have those close games, you need Braden Mann to be able to pin the other team's uh, offense, you know, inside the five-yard line at times. So that way you can give your offense an opportunity to get itself together not only that, but you also need to convert on those times when the offense stalls out, being able to get those critical three points here and there. But here's where, again, I'm going to bring this up. And I know this is not going to make a lot of people happy, but the New York Jets cannot be content with just getting field goals. Field goals should only be as a last resort. And the problem is, is that field goals can win you some games. Okay, but they can't, they can't win you every game. Eventually, you have to get out there and you have to put touchdown. You have to put touchdowns on the board. Plain and simple, all right? So, you know, this is where I'm looking at Sam Donald and that offense, and regardless of the cast of characters that they have around there, you know, Adam Gase is gonna, going to have to go into his bag of tricks. He's going to have to utilize his personnel to the best of his ability, and he's going to have to put his offense in good places to succeed, which means if the running back group is, uh, is lacking, the onus is going to be on Douglas to go out there and to go get a couple of guys. If the wide receiver group is lacking, you go out there and you get a couple of guys. You pick up a couple of guys. 
You don't necessarily need one guy to come in and be a bona fide number one from the time he steps onto the field, although that would be great. But you just need a bunch of guys that can understand their roles in the offenses and execute them to the best of their ability. And you also want them to hold on to the ball and be able to get that ball in the end zone. And this is where, you know, we're looking at Jamison Crowder. We're looking at a Brashad Perryman. We're looking at Denzel Mims, hopefully, when he takes the field. You know, we're looking at a Vincent Smith, hopefully, that we get him back. We're also looking at a Michael P. Ryan who could be lined up as a wide receiver. We're also looking at Le'Veon Bell who could be wind up, uh, lined up as a wide receiver. We're also looking at that tight end group. And Chris Herndon is going to have to be a major, major factor this season. So, but getting back to special teams, given that the special teams rules are kind of slanted right now and really the ability for runbacks and so on and, and, and kickoff returns and stuff like that is kind of really like twisted and, and retarded. And I can understand because you want to eliminate the amount of collisions and the amount of uh, uh, injuries as far as special teams is concerned. But when you have an opportunity, you need to be able to take advantage of it. And that means field position. So CJ, you, you, you touched on a really good point and I didn't really get to dive into this and pardon me if I'm interrupting, I apologize, but um, you touched on Adam Gase as far as his ability to, you know, it's, it's up to Adam Gase to maximize the talent of the players that the Jets have. That's his job as a head coach. And that's his job as an offensive coordinator. When I go back and I look at Adam Gase in his entire coaching career, I see Adam Gase as a coach that has done well with talent. And I've seen Adam Gase not do too well without talent. So does exactly. that mean that, that does that mean that Adam Gase is a bad head coach? I don't think that's what that what that means quite yet, but I think what it does mean is that this Jets team is in a huge state of transition. They, you know, fresh coach, he's only coached what, this is his second season. Right. This, yeah, this is the second season. It's Sam Darnold's um, third season with two different head coaches, two different offensive schemes, uh, two very different offensive lines, and a guy that I mentioned earlier, Makai Becton, I, I think he's going to be great for the Jets for a long time if they extend him beyond his rookie contract. He'll be a great player in this league. Um, but with Adam Gase, I just don't know if he has the ability to maximize – the players on the offensive side of the ball that are not as quite talented. He did really well in Denver with a fantastic supporting cast, arguably the greatest quarterback to ever do it in Peyton Manning. He did fair with Miami fair, not good, not great, but fair. This is his second stop. He's got to really make this a successful stop or or this is it. This is his last stop. Usually Mm -hmm. coaches don't get, two or three, two head coaching chances, let alone three. So Adam Gase, he he needs to make it happen. And, you know, the expectations, I don't know what your, you know, both of your expectations are wins, losses for the New York Jets, but for Adam Gase, they got to go like eight and eight or or nine and seven, I think in order for Adam Gase to, you know, maintain his status as a, as a, you know, marketable head coach to this Jets fan base. If they go six and 10, five and 11, if Sam Donald struggles, if Le'Veon Bell is frustrated with his role in the offense, I don't think Adam Gase will be back for a third season. Yeah, that could very well. Yeah, that's a phenomenal point. If if I can just wrap this up, because I think part of, part of, to that point um, about Adam Gase, 
the reason why I think personally I have some of the issues that I have with him is because when we struggled, um, Adam Gates disappeared. Like that's when you need, you know, your head coach to step up and say, you know, this is not working or such and such is going on and we've got to do something different. And you take the definitive step and you make it happen. Adam Adam Gates last season, um, after Sam Darnold went down, um, he pulled his head back in the shell and we didn't really see him. You know, like it, it was difficult to say that he actually stepped in and did what it is that you would expect of your leader to do when you're facing uh, when you're facing adversity. And and that to me is why I have as many questions about Gates as I have. Uh, I, I, we've we've seen him be uh, productive uh, to Ryan's point. Uh, when he had Peyton Manning, um, how much of that was Peyton Manning? It's hard to say. Um, he's had some success, uh, if if not maybe a lot, but he's had, you know, maybe some success with uh, with Tannehill to a certain extent, and and just some other guys, mm-hmm. but not enough to say that it was um, Adam Gase that was actually making a difference, or was it, you know, like you say talent overcomes coaching in certain situations. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Some situations it doesn't. Some situations you're coaching can unfortunately hamper and hinder some of the talent that you have. Is that the situation that we have here? I'm not sure. I'm afraid of what Adam Gase is going to do. I'll just put it, I'll just put it very mildly. I'm afraid. Because well, when I saw him, when we, when we needed him, he didn't step up. And that's, that's kind of the, the questions that I have about if he's going to be the guy that we need going forward. I don't think, I don't think Adam Gase is the vocal leader that you would want as the head coach of, I will say, the New York Jets. You, you don't want a coach that is kind of sarcastic to the media, a guy that I would say provokes the media. And I know I'm a Buffalo Bills analyst on my podcast, but I keep up with all 32 teams. And um, Adam Gase just seems like he he doesn't have the right temperament to be the head coach of the New York Jets. And he doesn't have what I would say Sean McDermott has in terms of maximizing the limited talent that he actually had inherited as the new head coach of the Buffalo Bills. He inherits a defense that, as I mentioned, was a mess um, from Rex Ryan. And, um, you know, he made the most of what he had. I don't think Adam Gase has made the most of what he has had with the New York Jets. And and they do have talent on this team. They do have talent on the Jets. Um, It's up to Adam Gase to maximize that talent. If he can't, in 2020, he, he won't be around in 2021. Exactly. Yeah, I completely agree with that. All right, <laughs> so on that note, we are going to end tonight's Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast at this point here. I would like to thank every single one of you who tuned in to listen to us live on Facebook, on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, on any place that you get your broadcast fix. We absolutely love you guys. Ryan, before we let you go, please give out all of your social media information so fans can interact with you and talk with you and keep up with your stuff. Thank you. Thank you, CJ. And and thank you to uh, Kevin for having me on. It's always a pleasure chatting with both of you in in regards to the Bills, Jets, football. You know, we're living in some crazy times, but it's always great to uh, chat with you guys. And I'm glad we could get it done tonight. Um, But for the folks at home, uh, my social media is at Ryan Thomas Take. That's my Twitter. That's my Instagram as well. Very active on both. Uh, my podcast is the Thomas Take Sports Podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts as well. Um, you can expect you know, coverage of the NFL, mixed martial arts. If you got UFC fans out there, 
definitely tune in. A lot to talk about in the coming months with some really big fights, um, as well as NHL hockey. I haven't talked much NHL. There's not much to talk about in Buffalo when it comes to the NHL because the Sabres have just been so bad. But um, you can expect that. Um, and uh, tune in and, and enjoy. And uh, you know, follow me if and throw down a throw down a, a Jets take. I'm I'm more than willing to uh, be all ears to them. Ryan does right. good work, guys. Ryan does good work, guys. Follow him seriously. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate that's, that's, it. That's an endorsement for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, you can always follow Weapons Hot at CNC Jets Factor on Twitter. You can follow me at JetsFan0523. My partner in crime on the other side of the glass, Mr. Kevin Jackson at Spotty Blackman. Be sure to shoot the show an email if you have some questions or a topic you'd like us to talk about. Weapons Hot Podcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to go to Facebook. All right, we do have a Facebook page. Like that like that page. Subscribe to our content. Message us. We'll message you right back. We love to go back and forth with fans on this team. Also, leave us some feedback and let us know how we're doing over here on Weapons Hot. Of course, you could also find us on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Spreaker.com forward slash Sports War Radio, which is one of our home bases, and also on SoundCloud.com. And last but certainly not least, Tonight's debut on Snowman Digital Media. Be sure to go check out the Snowman Digital Media Network. Thank Brian you to Snow, Brian Snow. Great <laughs> Thank guy. you, Brian Snow and his crew for, uh, for, for hooking us up, for giving us yet another platform to get our words out there. So, ladies and gentlemen, for Mr. Ryan Thomas for the Thomas Take Podcast and Mr. Kevin Jackson, otherwise known as Spotty Blackman, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is CJ the Painkiller D. Simone signing off for tonight. We will see you guys when we see you guys. Peace, love, go Jets, stay safe, and we will leave you guys with one of the best chants in the National Football League. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network.